Well, as I said, uh, my name is Ben Holst. I'm an elder here at the church, and uh, Brian and his family are off on a much-deserved vacation. So uh, I was chosen to, to speak today, and I think it's partially uh, God's sovereignty that I get to talk about being lost, as I'm known as someone who's frequently lost and losing things. So uh, my wife is not here to laugh at that, but she would definitely appreciate that I'm owning up, up to that. Um, we're in our series called... Uh, Pop Goes the Bible. We're looking at pop culture and how it kind of interacts with the Bible and, our, and um, the life that we live. Uh, if you haven't seen Lost, we're going to run a quick little trailer here that should clear everything up for all of us. So who, who actually watched Lost? Yes, good. Some of us. So was anybody obsessed like I was with the show? Yeah. So it was, it was kind of an obsession, right? Um, for those who didn't watch, let me see if I can kind of sum it up for you. Um, so there's a plane that crashes on this mysterious island. Um, there's this smoke monster thing. Um, there are these other people who um, are coming after the people who were lost. There's this bunker with this clock that you have to keep resetting the clock. And then there's these other others who come on this boat, and this boat disappears. And ultimately, in the end, before I, before I ruin it for anybody, is anybody like working their way through Lost? Okay, good. So, uh, for those of us who had to suffer through it, uh, it ends in a really unfortunate way. Um, It's like purgatory over. You're like, wow, six seasons and that's all you're going to give me. So I I think in the end, as as it came down to it, Lost was actually not about the show, it was about people who were watching the show. Because we were lost for six seasons and in the end, I think we looked back and said, wow, we, we lost six seasons of our life. So, um, but the thing is, um, lost, and I think the reason we were, we're looking at this is there's a sort of cultural allure with being lost, right? Um, there's the TV show, um, and if you've seen uh, the movie or the TV show Lost in Space, right? The Robinsons go out to this new future, they get lost in space. And we all watch because we're interested to see if they're going to find their way home. Um, anybody a fan of Man vs. Wild? Right? Bear Grylls gets dropped in the middle of nowhere. and He's got to find his way out of being lost. Um, I think in Montana, right, um, we've even made a tourism campaign out of getting lost. Right? Pretty excited about the sticker. Um, and we're trying to find one of these. They actually stopped. Side note, they actually stopped doing this campaign. They thought it was too offensive. Um, and so finding a sticker has gotten really difficult. But thankfully, my wife found the sticker for me. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so while we're, we're kind of uh, have this allure with being lost, um, it's not always a good thing, right? Does anybody here like being lost? Not for a long time, right? Maybe for a little bit, but not for a long time. Um, for guys, I have to say, we don't have to worry about this, right? Because we're never actually lost. We're just finding our way there. Um, God is not a fan of being lost. God is not a fan of lost things. Um, he does allow people to wander, as Brad mentioned. Um, if there's a purpose in the wandering, if there's a purpose in the searching, um, God sometimes uses those lost wandering times for us to teach us things, to grow us. Um, the Israelites in the wilderness um, is a perfect example, right? He sent them out there partially as a discipline, but, but also to, to grow them and to test them and to teach them some new things. So when I say God's not a fan of being lost, what I mean is he doesn't like lost things. Um, he does, he's okay with wandering, um, but being lost is not really um, what, he's, what he's about. 
In fact, um, over and over again in the Old Testament, it says that God comes to to seek out the lost sheep of Israel, right? So he is often, he's a seeker for the lost, trying to bring the lost back. And we're going we're gonna to get into that a little bit here. Um, but for us, um, made in God's image, right? God doesn't like lost things. We don't like lost things. It's just who we are. Um, it feels incomplete. Um, and so we're going to look at three ways that, that uh, we get lost from Luke 15. So if you want to, we're going to start Luke 15, uh, verse 1, where it says, All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, being Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man among you who has lost a hundred sheep, or has a hundred sheep, and loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he is found, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. Let me skip ahead to the next parable um, in verse 8. Uh, or what about, what about a woman who has ten coins? If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her women friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found the silver coin I lost. So the, the first, these two parables point us to the, um, the first way that we get lost. And that's when we've, we've lost our stuff. Right? So in both these parables, we've got, we've got a shepherd who's got a hundred sheep out in the pasture. One of the sheep wanders away. And the shepherd is like, oh my gosh, I, that one is so important to me. He's willing to leave 99 and go searching into the wilderness to find this, this one lost sheep. Uh, in the same way, this woman who loses her coin, it's not a small search, right? She lights the lamp, she sweeps the house, like she's going, going crazy trying to find this one lost coin. Um, as I said, I've, I've been known to lose things, not sheep, uh, coins probably. Um, currently, I think that we, our, our living room has become this quadrangle of lost things. Um, we've lost, just strangely, right, like remote controls, gone. Nobody knows where they went. Um, I have three boys, and, and they swear it wasn't them. So, um, And we've just, it's just been funny. Like, things have just been gone missing. Last night, uh, my son lost his phone, right? And, and we went looking, right? When we lose something, we go looking. And it was a, it was a big search, right? Um, has anybody ever lost something truly valuable? I mean, a remote control, eh, not that valuable. Um, but phone, more valuable? Passport. Passport. Ooh. That's important. Wedding ring? Twice. Twice. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, a child. Yes. Car keys? Yeah. So there, there are definitely, we lose things, right? And I think in those moments when we've lost things, we understand the intensity of the shepherd and the woman who lost the coin. Right? Like, we search... Not just within, not just kind of search, right? We look with intensity, and the longer it's gone, the more that we we agonize, the more that we search, the more that we go after things. Um, and, and that's how Jesus was with us, right? I said Jesus is a seeker; he's going after people who are lost. Um, Luke nineteen ten says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and I would add with intensity. Right? We'll come back to this, but. We think about what it, what it took for him to find us, to bring us back. 
It wasn't just to, to leave heaven and to come to earth, which was a, a big downgrade, we would say, right? Like he came to earth, but he was willing to die on a cross to bring us back. So Jesus goes searching um, with an intensity that I don't think we can even understand, but a glimpse in the parable. So when we lose our stuff, we go looking. Uh, the second way we get lost is when we've lost our way. So the parable goes on. Jesus continues with the third parable about the lost son, or as some of us know, the prodigal son. Right? So I'll just kind of describe this for, for those of us who aren't familiar with it. Right? Uh, so this, this guy has two sons. He gives them their inheritance. The younger son takes his money, goes off to a poor country, and basically blows all of his inheritance on parties. Right? He's off having a good time. Just things are going great, spending his money. Um, unfortunately, a famine hits the country, and he's broke, right? And so he has to go get a job working for a farmer who's actually a pig farmer. And so now this guy is actually out feeding the pigs in the mess, in the muck, having spent all of his money. Um, and finally, as he's feeding these pigs and thinking about his life, um, it says that he comes to his senses, which I love, right? Because he's, you'd think, finally... You now he's here feeding the pigs, like he gets it. But he comes to his senses, and he says, why, why am I doing this? Where, how did I get here? Um, and so I think that we, uh, we can be like the, the prodigal son, right? Um, we start off with a plan. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Like the prodigal son, I think he, we all know, like, his intentions were not good, right? He took that money, and he was off to party. But often, for us, we start off with good intentions, We're going to go do something smart. We're going to go do something that's going to be beneficial or even self-sacrificial. We go off. We're like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to head in this direction. Um, but then uh, circumstances develop. Uh, as the, uh, the bright philosopher uh, Mike Tyson once said, uh, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> Love that quote. Because it's true, right? So you set off on this plan, you're going in a certain direction, things are going well, and then life circumstances punch you in the mouth and things fall apart, right? And we, we have to stop, like the prodigal son, and go, all right, how's this going? Or as Dr. Phil says, how's that working for us, right? Like, we're, what, what is going on? Is this plan still working? Are these circumstances playing out the way I thought they were going to do? And often, um, they don't. Right? And those are the point, that's the point when we're feeling lost, when life has punched us in the mouth, um, we feel lost. We've lost our way, and we ask questions. Right? Um, the first question that we have is, how did I get here? Um, for the prodigal son, he was asking, how did I end up in this pigsty feeding these pigs? But for us, I think the questions are more like, how did I end up in this job? Right? I mean, it seemed like a good idea. I was doing the right thing. I was following my heart. And now I'm here and, ugh, what's going on? Um, sometimes it's, you know, how did I get to this town? I'm not talking about Big Sky, but, you know, in a lot of cases, you look around and you go, how did I end up in this place, in this house, in this town? Like, I thought I was going in the right direction, but here I am, lost. Um... It might be with a, a person, um, often it's with a sickness, right? Like, what is going on with my life? I mean, I, I thought I was headed in the right direction. So then we ask the question, now that we're down there, like the prodigal son did, what should I do? 
right? How, how should I, how can I get out of this? What's, what's the way that I should go? Um, and even a bigger question that I think sometimes we find ourselves asking is what's God's will for my life? I thought this was the right direction. I thought God had me going this way. And now I'm pretty sure this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And so even though this could be a whole separate topic, um, I, there's three verses I wanted to point us to in this idea of what's God's will for my life. Because in the Bible, um, it doesn't tell us you should take this job or you should go to this town or you should be with this person. Um, God's will is, is more, um, I would say, generic but more helpful. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's pretty clear. Give thanks in all circumstances. Um, that doesn't mean that we should put on a happy face, and even when things are dirty and horrible, and we're if for the prodigal son feeding pigs, I don't think he's saying, settle into the mess and be thankful that you're here. Right, but I think the second the second verse helps us with why we should be thankful, and that's First Thessalonians four three. It says, for this is God's will, your sanctification. That's a big theological word, right? Sanctification. Um, in short, what it means, it means to be set apart. It means to, means to be made like Christ. So God's will for you in your life is that we will be made like Christ. And he uses those circumstances to make us more like him. And even when we feel lost and we feel like, what is going on? And how did I get here? And how do I get out of here? I think we put those two together and we find out that God is making us more like Christ, and that for that we can be thankful. Even if things are horrible, even if things are the worst they could possibly be, um, we can be thankful because God is sanctifying us in this process. But that doesn't necessarily get us out of, the, out of feeling lost, right? Um, I'll never forget this whole idea of uh, being lost and feeling lost. Um, Chuck Swindoll, a long time ago, kind of painted this picture of what it's like to be lost. And he said, it's a bit like being on a boat on a, on a lake or a pond and fog rolls in, right? And you're out there by yourself and you can't see what's the way back to the shore. He said, a lot of times our initial uh, uh, instinct is to row, right? I need to get back to shore. I'm going to row. Well, that's the worst thing you can do. Right, because you could end up just rowing yourself in circles and wearing yourself out and never getting anywhere. He said, and I think this is completely true. Right, the best thing we can do in those situations is to stop, be still, and be quiet and listen. If you're on if you're on a lake, you're listening for any sound that can point you in the right direction. If we're lost in life and we're in the fog, we don't know where to go. Often, our first instinct is to run to something, to go do something, to try to make a change. Um, and often, that's one of the worst things we can do. And what we should be doing in those situations is being still, being quiet. And as we've been saying throughout the course of this year, listening for the voice of God through the Bible and through prayer. So, in these moments when we feel lost, um, we've lost our way. Um, I think that's that's a great word of encouragement for us. The last one, as we're looking at this idea of what's God's will for my life, um, I think this is a, a fantastic verse from 2 Peter 3.9. It said, The Lord does not delay in His promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So it doesn't say will, but it says wanting, right? God does not want anybody to perish. So when I think about what's God's will for our life, He doesn't want us to perish. He wants people to come to repentance. That leads us to our third, the third way that we get lost. And this is, um, this is the lesson of the parable, right? A parable or parables are stories that Jesus would tell that had a, had a lesson with it. 
Right? And so the, the big lesson of these three parables put together is this last one. When we've lost our life, um, we must repent. Okay, we're all, we're all lost. Right? And, the, and these stories, even though we may have lost things, um, these parables, we are the lost sheep. We are the lost coin and we are the lost son. And we need finding or we need saving. Um, we are lost from birth because of sin, separated from God. Right? And we are off on our own. Not just lost our way, but we are lost without life. Um, we are the younger son. And even though, as we read from, from Luke, Jesus comes to seek and save the lost, the prodigal son, the younger son who's off, he needs to do something, right? The father doesn't, doesn't come out and find him in the pigsty, right? This, the younger son has to take an action. And his action is to acknowledge, I, I did something wrong. He says, I have sinned. I need to go back to my dad. And I need to, I need to tell him my sin. I need to seek, um, to seek him out. And so, um, we need to seek, and we need to turn, and we need to come back. So, if, if you've never turned to Jesus for salvation, if you're lost in the wilderness, lost without life, never having had life, right? the Father is calling you home. Right? He's saying, I've come, I've come for you. I've come to seek you. Come home. If maybe we have, have received the forgiveness and found salvation, but we've walked away in sin, um, like the younger son we, were a son, we were a son, but we've chosen to go our own way. We've chosen to go off and to do things that are not honoring to God, and now we're, we're living away from him in sin. Um, he's calling us to repent, to turn, and to come home. And I love the picture, right? The, the father uh, in the third parable is there just waiting, right? Just waiting for the son to come home. There's no anger. There's no disappointment. There's no shame on you. Um, it doesn't matter in the father's eyes what you've done. So no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter how you've lived your life, the father is waiting for you with open arms, not wanting to spread out your guilt in front of you. That's gone. That's past. He just wants you to come home, and that's what he's calling you. With open arms, the Father is calling us to come home. The worship team is going to come back up, and we're going to uh, sing a song of celebration. And that's, I left off, as I was reading through these verses, I left off a couple, uh, couple verses that we're going to come back to here. Because these stories don't end in sadness, right? The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. All were found. In verse 7, with the lost sheep, Jesus says, I tell you in the same way, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. In the case of the, the lost coin, Jesus says, I tell you in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God, God's angels, over one sinner who repents. With the son, he says, the son of mine, the father says, the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Right? This story ends with celebration. Because when we find things, whether it's our passport or our, our lost wedding ring or no matter what it is, there's a celebration when we find our things. And when a sinner repents, heaven rejoices. Millions of angels, uncounted angels, and God the Father and God the Son rejoice over one repentant sinner. So we are not, the good news is, we are not on our own. Jesus has come to seek and to save us. 
and there's a big celebration waiting. And so today we celebrate because we are not lost. We are found. And that is the amazing thing that, uh, that we can celebrate today. So let's uh, sing this song together. Please stand.